I'm really excited for today's episode because it's different. It's a TV show podcast. (laughs) And I'll tell you what that means. So some of you may have heard and some of you may not know, I have a TV show. So in addition to this podcast, the Rita Made Me Do It podcast, I have a TV show called The Rita Goodrow Show. Now this show airs on our TV. So that's One United Region Television. I put the link in the show notes. You can go to rtv.network and you can find all the different ways that you can watch. The audio goes out over Bloomberg Radio. The show itself is aired on all the streaming apps like Fire TV and Apple TV and all of these things. And it's also live over the internet and you can find it on YouTube and it's on Time Warner and Fios and variety of places. But I have a TV show and I'm a couple of episodes in, but I haven't talked about the TV show as much because I'm getting my footing. I'm really learning the ropes. I'm figuring out the feel of the show. And I kind of like this podcast where, yeah, I talk about it, but I didn't really draw attention to it until I had found my groove. And that's kind of what I'm doing over with the TV show. But this episode that I just recorded for the TV show was too good. And I thought, you know what? This is a conversation that I both want to have on my podcast and the TV show. And I thought, well, here's a great way that people can get an idea from my podcast around what my TV show is about. So what you're about to hear is the audio from the TV show episode that aired this week. And so it's already out there. But you will hear the audio because I had some great guests. I have Leah Hadley. Leah Hadley is a certified financial everything. And I had Shay Newton, who is a certified financial planner. And the whole point of this episode, this month, is National Financial Literacy Month. And the episode you're about to hear, the history of that, the origin of that, and why it's so important. But we really talked about what it means to be financially literate as a business owner. And if you're overwhelmed or you don't know where to start or you're at different stages of your business, what does that mean for your literacy and where your attention needs to be focused on your finances? And and we even talked about setting yourself up now for success next year with your taxes and your business and money mindset. And there were just so many good pieces that I really wanted to share that with you. And you'll get an idea of what my show is like. Obviously, it's a TV show, so you get to see me. I try to be on site for as many of these episodes as I can. That's starting to pick up and take steam as I now map all of that out. I'll give you a little bit of behind the scenes, too, in the TV show and how it's working. And so I have a guest. There's always a current topic that we're talking about. And on top of that, I started creating these fun segments. So some segments are like, Rita doesn't know how to, so make Rita do it or teach Rita how. Man on the street interviews. The episode that aired last week was for National Couples Appreciation Day. And a lot of you actually submitted videos saying why you appreciated your partner. And that got turned into a montage, very like Today Show style, guys, with music and everything like that. And it's just so fun. Playing with this TV show is so fun. And that's what I'm doing right now. I'm just playing with it. And I really want to start bringing viewers to it. And I thought, well, if you could hear what's going on, because guys, here's the thing. I, I think I announced this in an episode as well. There aren't going to be that many guests anymore over here on the podcast. My guests, my interviews, the roundtable discussions, the deep conversations, like learning from experts and hearing their mindsets and their ways and all of that, that's really going to take place over on the TV show. I'm keeping the 
podcast now mainly for break it down episodes, turning things into actionable steps, giving you my mindset, my stories, right? A lot of solo episodes are going to happen over here now, but it's the combination of the two together that is so powerful. And this week, I just wanted you to get that inside scoop, that inside peek kind of behind the curtain of my TV show, and you're going to get it in audio form. So what you're going to hear is me kick off the show and then interview Leah Hadley around just so many great things when it comes to financial literacy as a business owner and what it really means. And then Shay Newton hops on and talks all about taxes, some tips that will help you now to set your taxes up for success next year, your 2022 taxes when you file them in 2023. Because when this airs, we all just kind of came out of that bubble of taxes and a lot of times there are surprises, especially for new business owners. And so we don't want you to be surprised. We want you to be ready and be successful. And that starts now, not at tax time next year. So she gives some tips and then you're going to hear my close of the show. It's just such a great episode. And here's one other piece. Here's one other piece I wanted to talk about. I am conducting today, like today, the day this episode drops. So I usually don't date my podcast episodes, but this episode came out on April. I had to look at my calendar, guys. (laughs) April 21st, Thursday, April 21st is when this episode drops. So in the morning, if you're one of my first listeners, because I know a lot of you listen right away. Hi, welcome. This afternoon at 3 p.m. Eastern, I am running a masterclass and I am running a masterclass about sales, specifically selling from the DM, selling from direct messages and private messages. How do you do that? And part of what allows you to do it is having strong, solid money mindsets. That's what allows you to do almost anything in your business and sales and to show up the way that you need to. And a lot of times when I say selling from the DMs, people have like a very visceral reaction to it. They're like, I don't want to do that. That sounds gross. Please no. But I'm going to show you in this masterclass how it's not, how it's a true authentic next step in a relationship with people and carrying on a conversation much like you would in person. But again, none of the actions that you're going to learn in the masterclass really matter if you don't have some of these solid money principles down and money mindsets down. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you click on the link in the show notes and register for this afternoon's masterclass at 3 p.m. And if you're listening to this after that's passed, no worries. You can get the replay. Just click on the show notes, sign up, and the replay will be sent to you and you will learn how to sell effectively from the masterclass. So I hope you enjoy this. Just know the audio It's good. It's just not 100% formatted for a podcast. And so you may hear some discrepancies in the audio sounds, but that's because it's a live interactive TV show (laughs) that happens. And so if you have any questions about this, what you heard about my experts, check out the show notes, email me, Rita at RitaBeMeDoIt.com. I'm so excited, guys, for next week. I can't wait to talk to you here. It is going to be a break it down episode. And we are going to talk sales, 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 because I want you to make more of them in quarter two and enjoy the show. Happy Financial Literacy Month. Because of Rita, I got on the news. Because of Rita, I had 15 speaking engagements last year. Because of Rita, I've become a six-figure business owner. Because, because, of, Rita, because of Rita, I've doubled my revenue by doubling my clients. I'm Rita, business strategist, speaker, and success coach. Also known as the gal who went on 35 dates in 35 days and blogged all about it. And this is the Rita Mimi Do It Show, where every week I bring you the real information about what it takes to go all in on your dreams so that you can build a profitable business and live a positive life. Some weeks I'll have a guest and others it'll be just you and me. 
like we're out on my deck sharing a bottle of wine. The conversation? Yeah, it'll be that real. Welcome to the Rita Goodrow Show. As always, we have a great episode for you today. I don't know if you knew this, but it is National Financial Literacy Month. And could there be any more important topic when it comes to business and entrepreneurship or truly life in general than money and being financially literate, financial literacy? Now, I will give a little bit of background on Financial Literacy Month since this whole episode today is going to introduce you to experts and we're going to talk all about money mindset and we're talking about literacy and we're talking about you know financial habits and everything that can really help you grow as a person and as a business owner. But Financial Literacy Month started back in 2004, so 2000. And it was done to highlight the importance of being financially literate because a study had been done that showed that there was a huge amount of people and hundreds of billions of dollars being lost because people didn't have core competencies and solid principles to be able to manage their personal finances. Now, add on top of that, a business, and you've just got like a recipe for disaster. But It started as part of Youth Literacy Day, and that came into into existence through um, the National Endowment for Financial, oh my gosh, am I going to get this right? The National Endowment for Financial Education, and that was part of a high school financial program. And so it really, like the Senate grabbed onto it, people grabbed onto it, people really realized the importance of literacy around money, literacy around financial concepts. And so Financial Literacy Month, was born. And I really do love that it kind of stemmed from youth because I, I don't know about you, but I sure wasn't educated on financial principles and financial concepts. Now, I will just really quickly bullet point according to the details of Financial Literacy Month, there are six main areas that they consider uh, being the big, broad categories where you really want to cultivate financial literacy. So that's earning spending, saving, and uh, investing, borrowing, and protecting. So I'll say them again. I'm going to look so I don't get it wrong. Earning, spending, saving, investing, borrowing, and protecting. And it means your effective ability, your effectiveness of using all of your financial skills to manage, invest, budget, right? But The same poll, the same study found that one out of every five students lack basic financial skills, which is no wonder then that on a large national scale uh, in adulthood, like that trickles over, right? So that's why I thought that this would be a really great episode to kind of loop all of these pieces together for money and entrepreneurship and celebrating this very important month, which I want to celebrate now forever and ever and ever. Amen. But again, I don't know about you. But in school, I mean, we had like math problems, like Danny has 20 cents and he goes to the store and he buys five apples and how much money does Danny come home with? But we really didn't have any like balancing the checkbook and and no courses like that at all. And 
it just wasn't part of my growing up, not even at home. So the other place that we learn besides school is at home. But parents and people who are raising us really teach what they're taught. And what we learn is what we see. And everyone's just doing the best with what they have. But everybody also has a very different experience, a different reality when it comes to what they witnessed and what they learned and the habits that they learned and the thoughts that they've they've taken on from other people when it comes to money. And so there's just a lack of conversations being had around money principles, around money mindset, around solid money foundations. And what that really results in is, like I said, the lack of our ability to maintain properly our personal finances, which has caused all kinds of issues in the world. But also then, like I said, you add a business to it. You add owning a business and entrepreneurship to it. And boy, oh boy, oh boy, are you really headed for something that's really overwhelming? It's a completely different language. It can just really stifle you. And then you take all these bad money habits that you learn personally and you spill them over into your business. And it's just a recipe for disaster. Now, I mean, the the way I can tell you, I will just caveat this. If I had had courses and uh, people that I could mentor with or learn from and take on their habits, because guys, we take on other people's habits, right? We watch people, we learn from people, and we take on their habits until they become our own habits. But if I had had all of that, my entry into entrepreneurship would have been way different, smoother, easier. It wouldn't have felt so scary. There wouldn't have been scarcity and bad decisions and all of these things, right? But I mean, it's all because of kind of growing up with money. I wasn't taught solid foundations. And what does it mean to have solid foundations and principles with money? I always explain it like this. It's like my husband in cooking. I can cook. I really can if I follow a recipe. And it's very stressful for me. I have to measure everything. I have to like follow the recipe to a T. And then at the end, sure, there's a great result. But my husband, on the other hand, he can come downstairs, open cabinets, start shaking, pouring things in a pan. There's a big mess. He has a lot of fun. And at the end of it, there's just an amazing, incredible meal. And he can do that without a recipe, without stress, without worry, because he learned the cooking foundation. He learned the foundations and principles of cooking, stocks and whatever, cutting and dicing, all of the things that I don't know that make cooking very stressful for me. So his experience with it is much different. It's the same with money. Having money managed, having a healthy relationship with money means it feels peaceful. It just happens. There's money in, there's money out. It's just neutral. It's just peaceful. And that's what we really want to get to. But it starts with these beginning pieces. It starts with this financial literacy. And that's not, I didn't have that. I didn't have those experiences. So like I, you know, grew up, learned what I learned, went to college, student loans, right? Student loan debt. Now so many people are feeling the effects of that. Went to law school. Guys, I lived like a lawyer when I was in law school, thanks to loans. Lived like a lawyer when I was in law school and didn't totally understand the ramifications. I mean, not because I was being duped or manipulated, but because I just didn't take the time to really think about it and learn it. And I thought, oh, well, I'll be a lawyer after all of this. And lawyers just make tons, right? Not true. I didn't investigate the field I was going into enough. And so then when I was a lawyer, I had to live like a law school student. And then there were all kinds of scrambling and issues and bad decisions that I made around my career and around personal finances. And so when it finally came time to give this a go and to jump into my business, it was great. But 
the scarcity, the fear, and the the kind of some messes that I had made along the way really made it where I felt urgency, where I felt worry, where I was making poor decisions around pricing and poor decisions around business models and all kinds of things at the beginning because of everything I had inherited, everything I had learned, and brought it all into this world, right? Which is why I'm so happy. So the state of New Jersey, guys, the state of New Jersey has actually, um, I'm going to pronounce his name wrong. Governor Steve um, Sisolak, Steve Sisolak of New New Jersey. No, he's of Nevada. I'm going to get this wrong, guys. Governor Phil Murphy, Governor Phil Murphy. That's it. Governor Phil Murphy, sorry, governors, of New Jersey has created a program that is bringing financial literacy to be taught in school. In fact, um, it says here that in middle school, there are classes in financial economic business and entrepreneurial entrepreneurial business literacy. And it's required to graduate, guys. These courses are required to graduate. That's mind-blowing to me. Nothing like that existed. And then they took it beyond school because they said, it doesn't stop. It's not like you go to school, you learn everything you need to know, and then you're good and you check some boxes. Like, as your life changes and as the world changes, what you need to know to be financially literate also changes. And so they launched a site. It's New Jersey Finlet, New Jersey Finlet, N-J-F-I-N-L-I-T. It's free for all residents of New Jersey to go. And there are educational programs and opportunities on retirement, student loans, saving, budgeting, real-time tools, entrepreneurship, and business, all for adults. And I just find that so mind-blowing. And I hope that more states We'll start doing this because again, right? Like if I had had access to this stuff, my experience and reality would have been much different. But today I'm going to introduce you to Leah Hadley. She is going to talk to you around what it really means to be financially literate in your business, what you can do right now, what you can do right now to step into it immediately so that you realize more success and you realize more ease in your business. Leah Hadley runs Great Lakes Investment Management. Um, She is also the founder of Great Lakes Divorce Financial Services. Basically, she's like the guru of all things money. She is an accredited financial counselor. She is a certified divorce financial analyst. She's the master analyst of financial forensics, which sounds super sexy to me for some reason. But um, I'm going to bring Leah on. We're just going to dive in. We're going to have a really good conversation for you today. So hi, Leah. Hi, Rita. Thanks for having me. Of course. I'm so glad you can be here today. Thank you for joining us for this conversation that I'm sure we could talk hours and hours and hours about. But I kind of want to just dive dive in because there's so much to, to cover. And I know that money period, is one of the most important topics for entrepreneurs and one that they're the most interested in because they want to know how to make it. They want to know how to keep it. And it feels frustrating when there aren't, they aren't sure why neither, neither is happening, right? Or what are the others happening? But before we get into that, I would love to ask you, right? I want to take you back to like your childhood because at the beginning, I talked about my relationship with money and my like history with it. And so I'm curious, as a, as a child, what do you remember around like what what you were taught around money? Where did you learn about money when you were a kid or did you? So one of my earliest money memories is doing extra chores. Um, and when we did extra chores, we would get a dollar for doing our extra chores. Um, and me and my best friend, her name was Leah also. I grew up with a Leah around the corner from me. We used to take our dollar that we would get and we would 
ride our bikes up to Fitch Drug, which is long since gone, um, and buy candy that was like a nickel or 10 cents, which my, that like blows my kids' minds. I know, <laughs> I know, crazy. Um, but if you think about it, if you take a dollar and you buy five cent candy, you come back with 20 pieces of candy. Candy, oh, we felt like we were so wealthy <laughs> because <laughs> we got all of this candy and it was like this huge loot, right? Um, so that's one of the earliest things that I remember about money is just if you work, you get paid. If you do something extra, if you go above and beyond, you're rewarded. Um, and so that is definitely something that has been very ingrained in me my entire life. If you work, you get paid. Yeah, you know, that that's very because I grew up in a single parent family, as I was sharing, and I learned a lot about money from watching my mom interact with money. And I don't like, this is not an episode to be like, and mom, every, no, like we all do the best that we have with the circumstances that we have. But one thing also is when you work hard, you get money. Right. And that's also, and, and I love that you did say for extra chores, right. You got money. You didn't get paid for your regular. So that's like an episode on parenting <laughs> or something for another day. But, um, but were you taught, do you remember being taught in school at all growing up? Like, about financial literacy or I mean, beyond math, right? Beyond like Danny has five cents and goes to the store kind of problems. Like, were you taught anything? I wasn't taught anything at all in school. I would say, you know, the little bits and pieces that I was taught was either through Girl Scouts, selling Girl Scout cookies, doing fundraisers for school. My very, very first job was um, I had a paper route and I actually like had to go collect money door to door. I know it's like makes wow. me sound old. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but basically was working off of tips, right? Um, so those like early jobs were the ones that really taught me a lot about money and money management. But, but here you are, this big money manager, this big money advisor, big money. Like, but I don't think not only in high school, et cetera, did you not learn that? But that's not what you went to college for, is it? No, no. So my undergraduate degree was in sociology. My master's degree is in education. And I tell people, and this is something that I think is really helpful for my clients to relate to me, is um, when I first started working for the first investment bank that I worked for, um, it was in an administrative role. I had never taken an accounting class. I had never taken a finance class. I didn't know what a balance sheet was. I didn't know what a P&L was. I didn't really get what a stock was or a bond was, um, let alone any other kinds of investments, right? Um, and I truly felt like everybody around me was speaking a foreign language. And I think that is really helpful when I'm talking with people who are new to having conversations about money. Yeah, no, definitely. But when, when did you decide that you wanted money to be your career, right? Because that you, you had gone to school for what? Sociology, is that right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So when did you decide, you know what? Let's push that over here. I'm all in on this career. Like, what was that defining moment for you or was there one? Um, it was it was two specific mentors um, that worked at that investment bank who essentially told me, you're never going to make any money doing what you're doing right now. Um, I was very, very fortunate that my role was within the equity research department. Um, and so I was surrounded by people who were talking about stock and investment research 
all day, every day. How do you value companies? Um, and so I just started to learn. Um, and really, initially, it was just literally getting books and reading books because I felt stupid and I didn't feel comfortable going to work every day, not understanding what people were talking about. Like the terminology, right? It's like a right. foreign, it's a foreign language. You have to immerse yourself in it and you have to start somewhere and learn another, which is what we're going to talk about much later on when it comes to business and entrepreneurship and, and money and all of that. But I am curious, like you, so you worked for other, at what point did you decide to open your own company? When did you become an entrepreneur yourself? In 2016. Um, and really it had to do with taking care of my family. That was and has been my first priority. Um, my kids have a lot of needs. We had a lot of therapy appointments, doctor's appointments, things that made it really difficult to hold a traditional job. So I was not somebody who like dreamed all my life of starting my own business. It was one of those things that I feel like I did more out of necessity than anything else. But it has been the best decision that I could have possibly made. Well, so I'm curious, right? Because you you studied finance, you decided you worked in the financial sector, you decided to open your own, you know, financial business. So you had no money problem, no not, not money problems, no money mindset problems when you started your own business as an entrepreneur. True, true or false? Like because you knew it all, everything was easy, and it just worked, and you had no issues, right? No way, no. <laughs> I mean, every lesson I have learned, I have learned it through grit. Um, I, you know, I left college, I left grad school with a ton of student loan debt. Um, every raise that I asked for when I was, you know, in the corporate world didn't have to do with wanting or thinking that I, you know, deserved more, but it was. I had to pay the bills and I had yeah. to figure out how to pay the bills. Um, and so that has really driven me all of these years um, and pushed me to work harder. But it also has shown me and proven to me that if I if I put the effort in, if I ask for the raise, if I ask for the sale, that in fact I can get it. Yeah. Um, and it has reinforced it time and time again. Yeah. And 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 I, but I love too that hearing that someone who was immersed in this and working in this and had great working and practical knowledge around fight, you know, was very financially literate. That doesn't mean that you're just gonna have this easy time when you become an entrepreneur, when suddenly you have to consider things that you never, ever, ever had to think about before, right? That you never had to consider when you're an employee working for, so they're all, and there are all of these other triggers and reactions, right? That happens. So even you being financially literate experienced issues and, and problems. So for people who aren't at all, I can only imagine, right? That right. that's like very overwhelming. So what would you say, um, well, let me ask you one quick question. So I, I at the beginning of the show, I talked about New Jersey and how New Jersey has kind of implemented this program where they're really putting financial literacy in schools. They believe that they need to reach their children, that they need to reach children at a younger age. And they've continued the education all the way up through adulthood, right, including some entrepreneurship and business and money classes. Like, do you see many states doing this? Is this new for you? I have not seen many on the state level. I mean, I think the conversations are happening. People are realizing it is a big issue. Uh, the student loan debt issue is a very serious issue yeah. in this country. Um, but the other piece of it is what I really like about that story is, you know, at different times in our lives, we're ready to learn different pieces of information and different pieces become more and more important at different times in our lives, right? So yeah. if my eighth grader is learning budgeting 
basics, but at that time doesn't necessarily have to be worried about paying rent or utilities or buying groceries yeah. or any of these things. Yeah. It doesn't have the same impact, right? Yeah, as a recent high school or college graduate yeah. who now is responsible for their own budget. You started your business again. You had this financial background at the time you became an entrepreneur. I'm curious, though, especially given your background, you probably had these expectations of what it would be like to just start your business, make money. And I'm curious what the expectations versus the reality, like what the difference between that was. That's a great question. So um, especially in financial services, financial planning, there are a lot of coaches out there who essentially like will show you, quote, how it's done, right? Um, and they have a process and it's a process that worked really well for them. Um, but it took me a long time to find my way because I realized that I wasn't going to duplicate somebody else's process. I needed to find my own. And in doing so, that meant it was going to take me a lot longer to be profitable. Um, I was, you know, I'm raising three children. I was stressed about making sure that they were taken care of. And that made me fearful about investing in the business. Um, and so it was a lot of this money mindset work that I had to do um, in those first couple of years when I was really getting my feet on the ground, figuring out really what services did I want to offer? How did I want to offer? How do I want to price them? Who do I want to work with? So many decisions yeah. um, and realizing that I wasn't going to be able to just follow somebody else's path. Yeah, no, it's so true. And like, I love the differentiation between money mindset and financial literacy, right? You can be completely financially literate and you can still have all kinds of things happening that are creating a money mindset issue that is causing you to make certain choices or not do certain things in your business. And there's so many entrepreneurs out there who dive in to starting a business, whether they have to or they've chosen to, whatever it is. But they are at a place where they need to make money to pay the bills and they need to make money now. So I'm curious, what are some of the money mistakes that you see entrepreneurs making at the beginning of their business? Like, what would you say some of the top mistakes are that you're like, okay, if you just correct or pause on these one or two things, like you could have a completely different experience in your business? Well, I'll start with my biggest money mistake. And my okay. biggest money mistake was trying to be all things to all people, because I do have a very strong financial background and I can do a lot of different things. I had all kinds of odd jobs when I first started growing my business, which at the end of the day didn't serve my business, right? Mm -hmm. And that is part of what made it take me longer um, to get where I am. Um, but I, in terms of the clients that I work with, new entrepreneurs, the biggest mistake I see is not separating personal and business finances. Ooh. Really, yeah, making a very big mess. A lot, a lot of folks, especially some of those folks are doing fantastic in terms of sales growth and find their business growing a lot faster than maybe they had anticipated. Um, and that, that becomes even messier when you haven't very clearly defined these are business, these are personal um, monies and keeping them separate. Well, it's so interesting because uh, an article I read said that 50% of businesses close by year five. And one of the main reasons that the businesses close is because lack of financial literacy. And what they found when they dug into it were business owners are hyper aware of how much money they need to pay out. Like they know, here's what my software costs and here's what my whatever, whatever your operating expenses are. I, I work with a lot of service-based entrepreneurs, not a lot of like brick and mortar type expenses, but businesses overall know the operating costs, the day-to-day -day operating costs. What they don't know is how much they're actually making and how much they're actually making from specific things, specific products. So they have no idea. They, ha they know the money out that they need, but they don't know the overall financial health 
of their business. So for someone who's like, I would like to take the pulse of the financial health of my business, what is something that they, that a listener or viewer could do right now? Well, first of all, if you're not comfortable talking about money, if you don't have a strong background in financial literacy, I encourage you to reach out and ask for help. This is one of those things where when people feel ashamed around their lack of financial education, a lot of times they won't ask for help. They won't have those conversations. Even in, like, I'll give you a very good example. I have a client who is working with an accountant and she gets the statements from her accountant every month. And then we are on a call together and she's like, Leah, I have no idea how to read these things. Well, what good are they doing her if she doesn't actually know how to read and utilize that information, right? So working with professionals where you can say to your accountant, can you walk me through this? What what can I take from this financial statement? Um, and it's really interesting. She actually spends a tremendous amount of time keeping her own separate spreadsheets because she's not getting the information she needs from this professional. Whereas if she could just have that conversation and ask for help, and I'm glad she's asking me for help, don't get me wrong. Yeah. Um, but I see this very frequently where people are either embarrassed or maybe they have made that mess that I was talking about before with you know, commingling personal and business finances. And so they wait too long long. Um, and then it becomes a bigger, a bigger issue to get things cleaned up. Um, so I would say just asking for help and having those conversations very early on is going to really give you that strong foundation for decision making going forward. Yeah, I love that. The idea that and most financial professionals, right, they know exactly what to expect when you come to them, that you aren't an expert in this and that you don't know this and they're not anticipating that everything will have been perfect and that you will have done everything just right. So early on, I love that advice. Go and just ask for the information, the support, a consult, a review, a health check. Like, don't try to figure it out yourself. But at the same time, when you're moving from like, employee of a business or of somebody else's company into CEO of your own business. Right now you're hit with phrases like cash flow, profit margin, uh, you know, AR, AP, you've got tax issues, you've got like profitability, you've got all of this stuff, right? And it can feel really overwhelming, especially when you're also trying to figure out how to market and how to sell and how to do all of these things that you've never had to do before, right? So for someone who really like it's like, okay, I really want to start tracking something in my business. What's the most important thing I should track? So we've said, open up a separate account, whether you have to legally or not for your business and your personal. So you know, very clearly money in and out, right? Ask for help. But then if somebody's like, but I want to start tracking something today, I want to dive in and look at a number today. What can they, what can they do? Um, well, top line, you want to know where your sales are coming from. You want to know who they're coming from. You want to know the line of service they're coming from. If you're selling products, what products are selling. You want to know what you're charging. So what the price is, the quantity of whatever that is that you're selling, right? Um, and if you're pricing things differently at different levels, um, the mix. So how much are you selling at this price point versus that price point? Really understanding that revenue number and how it divides out is tremendously useful in determining where to spend your time. It's so good because so many entrepreneurs know the day-to-day -day operating expenses of their business, but they don't know the profitability of their specific items, services, et cetera, that they're selling. I remember when I did that review, there was a service that I was marketing and marketing and, and it was my least profitable. It was my least profitable offering. And I was spending the most time like putting out. And the minute I saw that, I was like, wait, it's a bad decision. Like, I just need to let this go and double down on my most profitable item. Right. So knowing that is so, is so good. Um, you know, 
people aren't comfortable talking about money though. We're not, we're, we're not trained or taught that it's even proper or right to talk about money. Where are some places that people can go to find professionals maybe, or start finding people that they can have some of these conversations with? That's a great question. Um, I really encourage you, if you are involved in any kind of group of other business owners, not to be shy to have those conversations. Um, I've been involved with NABA, the National Association of Women Business Owners, for years. The women in that group are so supportive of one another. And there are so many financial professionals. And at the end of the day, if one of my NABA sisters is reaching out to me, you know, I'm going to be there and I'm going to answer questions. If you're in a mastermind group um, and, you know, you're meeting with other professionals, use that as an opportunity to have those conversations. At the end of the day, business owners, even even if they're not in the same lines of business, the same types of services, same kinds of products, they still have similar challenges, you know, whether it's determining where to invest or figuring out how profitable a particular line of revenue is. All of these things are things that business owners, especially those who are, are new or earlier um, in their business journey, are all kind of grappling with, right? Um, and so using those peers to get some information, um, to ask questions, to find out who else is available in your area, um, or who else has been a great support to them in figuring this all out, that's going to be tremendously valuable. Leah, if people want to get in touch with you, where's the best place that they can go to talk to you? Um, you can actually schedule a complimentary consultation right on the Great Lakes Investment website. So it's www.greatlakesinvestment.com. Um, and you can go to the contact us page and just schedule a complimentary call. And we can kind of talk and see what's going on and what your next best step is. Awesome. I love it. Thank you so much for being here today. Guys, when we come back, we have Shay Newton. She is going to go over five things that you can do to have a better time at tax time next season. And you won't want to miss it. Shay Newton is a certified financial planner. She is also owner of Financial Journey LLC. And I brought Shay on, as you know, this episode is all about financial literacy, especially financial literacy for entrepreneurs, but given that it's National Financial Literacy Month, um, so many different topics we can talk about. But I have Shay here because you're watching this and taxes were due yesterday. And we know that that can be really overwhelming when you haven't prepared and you're kind of blindsided by what you may owe. And so I'm at shape to provide us with some tips that can help us set our taxes up for success next year so that we feel peaceful about it, maybe even a little more abundant. So Shay, I would love for you to share your tips with us. Thank you for joining. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Rita. So yes, as you know, taxes were due yesterday. We got a few extra days past the 15th. Um, but the good news is, if you have a large tax bill, that means you're making money. So the bad news is, yes, you do have to write a check to the IRS. So I wanted to talk about some ideas um, just to get you thinking and really like understanding what it is that you owe. Um, one of the biggest misconceptions that I see with clients um, is in regards to self-employment taxes. You know, you're self-employed, so you've got to pay your social security and Medicare taxes, just like employees do. But as a self-employed person, you have to pay both pieces of that, which is just over 15%. When you're employed, your employer pays half, you pay half. But don't forget that this is not part of your federal income taxes. So when you're looking at those tax brackets, you've got to remember that this is completely separate. Yes, you get a credit for half of 
the self-employment taxes on your return to reduce some of what you owe, but it is in addition to your federal income taxes. So that's really the biggest tip is understand what you're looking at. And the easiest way to do that is, you know, looking at your return now and trying to understand what those numbers are. So self-employment taxes is a big one. Um, Another one is retirement plan contributions. Okay, so those are accounted for differently than an expense on your Schedule C. So, for example, if you owe $10,000, you can't just say, I'm going to take $10,000, put it in my retirement plan and be done. That's not how it works. It's a deduction on your 1040. So it's only going to reduce your taxes, your federal taxes by whatever tax bracket you're in. So it's not a dollar for dollar reduction. Um, Don't forget about state, because if you're in a taxable state, you have to worry about state taxes as well. And I think the biggest thing to really get a handle on it is when your quarterly estimates are due, sit down and look at your numbers and then look at that federal tax bracket and see like, Hey, does this make sense? You know, am I, do I have my self-employment taxes correct? And now that I've made enough money, like, am I going into another bracket? Do I need to pay a little bit more? So it's really understanding where you fall in those categories and staying on top of it on a quarterly basis, because that way you can avoid your penalties as well. No, I was about to, I had to hop on. Sorry, I had to hop on real quickly. You know, I wasn't going to do it because I love that idea of evaluating where you're at financially every quarter when you owe quarterly taxes because that's super important also to to remind people that it's estimated, right? That it's estimated. I did want to make sure, and then you can go and share any final tips, just that people know how to contact you. If they have questions about their taxes or they want to be able to talk to you and ask specific questions, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you? So the best way would be hop on my website, financialjourneyllc.com, and there's a way to contact me on there. Awesome. Cool. Guys, do it. Like, do it now. Like Leah said earlier, ask professionals for their advice now before you actually get to the urgent moment when you really need it. So, Shay, do you have any final tips for us as we get ready to close out? I I think the the biggest one is understand what's going on with your taxes now. And don't forget that when you're doing your taxes, this is for something that's already happened. It's really hard to change, you know, in 22, you know, what happened in 2021. So that's why it's important to get on top of it now and reach out. I, I love that. And I think that guys, like if you were unhappy with anything about your taxes now, talk to someone now so you know what actions to take over the course of the remainder of this year to really set yourself up to be in a good position next year. So Shay, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. I think the one thing that's certain is that this is a big topic. I mean, that's why there's National Financial Literacy Month, why states like New Jersey are implementing these ongoing lifelong learning programs for free for their residents because This is something that never stops. This is a topic where you really never stop learning and educating yourself. And this was only a very tiny piece of the puzzle. This is like an introduction to the conversation of financial literacy and finance and money and entrepreneurship. I mean, not even the, the, it's like the tip of the tip 
the tip of this conversation. There's so much to unpack here. But I do think if I could summarize kind of a takeaway from this, it's really all about having a relationship with money. And I use that phrase relationship because relationship is a two-way street. It's mutual. You're doing something and your partner is doing something, right? It, it's interactive. It's mutually beneficial. It is a two-way street. And that's what your relationship really ultimately needs to be like with money. But how, right? How do you even have a relationship with money? And I think the first thing is, is it comes from asking a different question as an entrepreneur. The question that so many entrepreneurs want to ask me is, how can I make more money? How can I, how can I make more money? And when I pause them and say, let's reframe that question, let's say, how can I have a better relationship with money? Then we have to investigate two sides of the road, right? Not only what is money doing for you? How is money showing up for you? How is money supporting you? How is money nurturing you? Like, tell me all about money. And people have no trouble telling me all about money and what money is doing or not doing for them. But then you also have to ask yourself, what kind of partner am I being to money? I mean, when you say a relationship, if you were to really think about money as your romantic partner, think about money as a person that you're dating, you would definitely say, well, here's why I'm not happy with money. Here's what money's not doing for me. But then I would turn around and ask you, well, what are you doing for money? Are you treating it seriously? Are you paying attention to it? Not just during the good and fun times, but also during the bad times, during the times things don't feel as good or as fun, or are you ignoring it? Are you just kind of like clueless about it? Is money knocking on your door, but you're not answering, and then you wonder why it's not there when you want it? Are you providing for money? Are you helping it grow? Are you keeping it safe, right? It's not just about what is money doing to you? It's about thinking about your actions and your responsibility for having a good relationship with money. So that's really the first question that you need to be honest and ask ask yourself today and all days is, what is my relationship with money like? What is money doing and how is money showing up for me? But what am I doing for me? And how am I showing up for money? And then add to that the element of your business. How are you showing up for your business and the money your business is making? And I think, you know, some good points were made today. Like Leah said, first, it all starts with getting support. Support now before there's something wrong. All too often, people think they have to wait to ask for help or information because something's broken or because something didn't work and because you want something to be fixed. And that's not it. Now is the time. Now is the time to just go find out what you don't know. It's a new language, just like Leah said. That's kind of point two. You have to learn the language. So go talk to people, read books, read articles, read columns, and learn what you don't know so that you're able to set yourself up for what you want to experience then look at your sales in your business. Look at your sales. What is your most performing? What are your least performing item, service, product? What's your most profitable? What's your least profitable? Sometimes those aren't the same. Your highest isn't your most profitable, your highest selling. So really sit down and be familiar with it. That's what Shay said too. Look at your money, know your money, just become familiar with it. And once you do, once you're familiar with the language, you're familiar with the money, you're having conversations, you're getting support from professionals, you're finding finding groups and other people, 
Talk about it. Use the phrases. Ask the questions. Immerse yourself in it. And you will find that you will be a better partner to money. And in turn, it'll be a better partner to you. And I can't wait to see you next week on another episode of the Reading Good Row Show. Take care, everybody. Have a good one. Happy Financial Literacy Month. Hey, before you go, thank you for listening to my show. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. Please take a minute to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you get your podcast, and leave a review. It'll only take you a second, but it will help other people discover the Rita Mimi Do It Show. And my goal is to share this business-boosting and life-changing content with as many people as possible. In fact, because I value your time so much, every month, one reviewer will win a free coaching call with me. So if you want to get laser-focused and go all-in on the results that you most want in your business, then leave a review now. And then head on over to readamimidoit.com where you can find the show notes from today's episode.